It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. What it do, everyone? This is your host, Technician. Welcome to the Bright Side with Technician, where we talk about the real deal with real people experiencing real things, honey. You know how this show goes. I have everyone on it, including probably your mother, your father, your, your daughter, your sister, your brother, your cousin. Everyone is on this show. No one is excluded. And it's always keeping you incited on things that are going on today, including with the new movies that are coming out. We have to do it all, right? Exactly. But how is everyone? Happy Wednesday, everyone, because today is March the 22nd, 2017. I'm so happy. Second day of spring. Except for the pollen part, right? We can keep that. But other than that, I'm happy. I'm ready to wear my open-toe shoes, shorts, sundresses, and all, child. Woo! Can't wait, but we're almost into the weekend. Yes! So I hope you are ready, because today, do not forget on Affirmation Nation, that today is Obsessed with Success call, and that will be the 170 um, call. So has went into 170 weeks. That's awesome, right? Every single day. So don't forget, at 5.15 p.m. Eastern time, that call will be starting. And if you don't know the number, it's 641-715-3200, PIN code 656202, hashtag. But anyhow, enough about all that good stuff. I have with me coming to the bright side with Technicia is right director Keith Sutliff, who has created this awesome movie that's coming out. You probably have seen so many movies like The Heat, what else? Um, Reservoir Dog. Um, oh, I can't even think of some other good movies that will probably compare to this. Oh, The Untouchables, classic. I love, I love The Untouchables. I could watch that all day. That's kind of like in the category with Goodfellas. You know, those are my, I love those gangsters type movies, but anyhow, he's bringing a new movie that's coming out for this spring, yes, called The Mason Brothers, darling, and this is going to be an insightful movie, got a little twist to it, I saw the trailer already, and it's awesome, I'm telling you, I already give it thumbs up, but we'll see what you think, um, listeners, if you feel that you want to get into this industry, if you have questions about the movie, do so by calling in at 347-426-3751, and any question that you don't ask, don't try to ask later, okay? Because we ain't gonna answer. <laughs> I'm just playing. But anyhow, we're gonna invite Keith on. Keith, I appreciate you for taking out the time out your busy schedule because I know you have so many hats on your head. So I really appreciate you for this interview. Hey, Tignisha, thanks, thanks for having me on the on the show. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're so welcome. Uh, 
I guess I want to start off by first getting into the question of what was the moment like for you? What led you up to this point to want to become a director? Because that takes a lot than just acting. Right. Yeah. I, um, you know, I got into uh, filmmaking about two and a half years ago, and I, I just wanted to start creating my own content. I started out uh, acting like a lot of people in the industry, and um, I uh, eventually transitioned to more writing, directing, and uh, making my own content uh, later on. Because you have more control, and uh, that's something I wanted to get into. So, yeah, so I transitioned to that, and I uh, yeah, started wanting to direct my own content and my own stuff I wrote and, uh, and started filmmaking stuff. So that's, that's really what it led to, really. So, um, yeah, you know, so I just wanted to make my own stuff. So I started directing and writing my own material. Right. Now, I love the trailer. I watched, uh, I think, at least four of them, and they're totally good. What's, what's a little different twist that you did that's different from The Heat? Because that was a good movie, too. I, I love the way it was laid right. out. I don't think it was another movie. I don't even think it was another movie that could touch the heat, really. Um, so I know right. that you probably had a little inspiration off of those movies, the heat. The Untouched was another classic, one of my favorite. All the movies that you mainly probably had uh, uh, inspired from. Yeah, um, I mean, this, so this movie's, uh, I wrote it non-chronological, non-linear, so the, the storyline uh, cuts back and forth. Uh, so imagine a storyline laid out. Uh, I broke it up into different pieces, and I cut back and forth in the storyline where the audience has to piece it together, basically. Um, that's one of the main differences from, from Heat. Heat's written chronologically. This is non-chronological. I write all my scripts non-chronological as it helps create more uh, intrigue and mystery and helps to keep the audience on edge. At, um, always guessing what's going to happen next. That to piece things together, even if it's you know you can take you can take a story with more what's what's chronological and it can be good, but if you, if you take a movie or a story with maybe um, not suspenseful and you break it up, it'll be more suspenseful just because of the uh, the, the way you write it of making it not chronological. It makes it more intriguing. Um, anyways, that, that's how I wrote this one. So that's the main difference between that and this. I don't I don't show the heist at all. Um, I don't have a lot of movie, high school. They show the high school, but it cuts back and forth in the timeline, not showing the heist. Um, it's about this core group of brothers, this, uh, blood brothers, and they lose one of their brothers in this heist. So it's really what's about, about revenge and about uh, them losing their brother and how they interact, react to the loss of one of the brothers. Unlike Heat, is, uh, you know, it's not so much as that. It's just about a group of criminals, which mine is too, but it's four group of, uh, or these, these four brothers is the criminals. So and that's the main differences. So, yeah. I mean, Keith, you, you have done it all. You have produced, wrote, you know, directed multiple short films before even making this your first feature film, which is so awesome to get this chance for us to be able to see it. I, I can't wait to ask it out there for next month. It's, it's going to be awesome. I'm definitely going to make sure I captivate, captivate this. But, Doing so, you also play a part in this. So, what was it like doing both writing, directing, and and acting? Um, yeah, I know it's a lot. Uh, I mean, I play a uh, and all my films I do is from my short films all the way to now. I always play one of the uh, strong supporting uh, roles or a lead role in the film. 
and a lot of that's for a reason. I uh, kind of a trademark of mine. I like like some a lot, like a lot of directors. Uh, ben Affleck does it in a lot of his movies. Um, Quentin Tarantino. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of directors who have done it. Uh, I kind of do the trademark as mine as well. And also, it saves money, you know, especially in the independent world. So, um, and I know the, the character is in and out and the script is in and out because I wrote it. So, yeah, it's a lot of work, but uh, you know, I think it's worth it. Uh, it's a little challenging, you know, you're you're directing the actors in the scenes, but also a lot of scenes you're acting in at the same time. So, you're directing them, and you just have to really trust your AD and your, your DP for some of the scenes that you're in that uh, they know what you want. And you kind of explain it to them before filming. And then you can look at the footage afterwards if you really want to. Um, you have a lot of trust in them that the picture look good because most of the time a director, you know, you're supposed to be behind the camera and looking at the monitor. So this time, if you're in the if you're in the scene, you can't do that. Um, that's why you have trust in your crew. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting experience because, like I said, you know, you're interacting with the actors and, and directing them in the scene and you're in the scene with them. So you're able to interact and act with them in the scenes, but that's, that's a good pro toward, you know, to it because you're acting with them in the scenes. So you kind of direct them after each cut and take you like, Hey, that was good. But prove this, you know, this flows better. So that's the pros and cons. Right. And, and I mean, you, you take your chances doing these movies. Like you said, it's unorthodox. For you, you got you do all these stream close-up shots to just tell your story. You you play with fire, but it's a good fire. What what made you want to do this though? I know that you got inspired by watching Untouchables and Reservoir Dogs, but what made you say, "Hey, let me go and try to do this and see what it's like"? Right. Um, what do you mean, like filmmaking in general, or this movie? Um, just this movie in particular. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's a good question. I've uh, I've always loved the crime thriller genre and heist movies. They're one of my favorite movies of all time. Is just heist movies and crime. And um, I just I've always wanted to do a heist film. Always wanted to do a heist film. And I thought, well, hey, for my first feature, it'd be good to do a heist film. I can, you know, heist films always sell. People always love them. There's always an audience for them. I was like, well, why wouldn't it be good to do a heist film for my first feature? Um. You do high school for my first feature, and uh, I wrote this story that I could do for not a huge, huge budget, where it'd be like so massive, I wouldn't be able to raise the money. Um, I took this, you know, this the script, I wrote it in a way that, uh, you know, a way I wanted to write it, but also the, the, where the budget's not, you know, too enormous. But I'd be able to raise it independently and not have to, not to rely on like a studio or a lot of other companies to, to help finance it. So, um, you know, so I did that. That was part of it. And then, uh, like I said, like, I really want to tell a high story and, and make high film. So, yeah, so I thought doing a high film for my first feature would be a great way to start my, my career as a feature film director and, and writer. So, um, yeah, just the love and passion for, for high films and crime thriller films is really what drove me. So, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Had a little cut off. <laughs> um, Keith, I want, I want to know... Like, what were some challenges that you faced while trying to develop this production? Um, yeah, I, uh, I think, um, just, you know, the, the fact, I mean, I had a decent sized crew, but it wasn't like a lot of huge, you know, feature films would have tons and tons and tons of people working for you. I, uh, 
I think juggling everything at once is probably one of the main things. Um, juggling everything at once in that, uh, you know, I had a small group of, of producing partners, so we all had to coordinate a lot together. And, yeah, so, I mean, it just um, juggling all, all the different tasks I had to do and producing it is really the main thing. Like, you know, having juggling the money and right. producing and, is really the, probably the majority is just juggling all the money and producing, uh, you know, the film. And there's a lot of, there's just so much hours and time goes into making these films. The feature film is just an enormous project and an enormous amount of work that uh, you really have appreciation when you watch a feature, you see how much work really goes into it. Um, when you see it, now when I see a feature, I see how much, you know, how much work goes into it because I've done one. So I think, this, yeah, it's juggling the money and the, all the time and management. There's a lot of time management goes into it, you know? So it's really that. Right. And I had to be careful because of the fact that, hey, I know I got to do this film, but at the same time, I can't. Were there ever, like, any accounts, like, okay, I can't go over this cost budget because of this? Um, did you come along with those issues oh, yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah there's definitely... um. Usually paying the actors and stuff, there's certain like limits. I knew, okay, I can't, you know, with hiring these people or this person, I can't go over this certain amount of money and, and this. So there's all you, know, you always run in those barricades because there's so much. A lot of your money you really need to go towards person advertising and especially post production. Not so much. I think that's you know, and not so much production and, and pre production, which you should have a good money for. But um, I think a lot of I've seen in the industry because that's my experience of doing short films. I've seen through my experience doing those. Um, with other feature film directors and people I've seen and met at festivals, like a lot of them make a huge mistake of putting all their money towards production or pre-production, and then they have no money for print and advertising or post-production, and then they can't sell the movie or they can't uh, you know, they can't market it properly or they can't finish the movie, which is horrible. So, you know, that's a huge problem that I, I want to make sure I didn't run into and do. Um, that's where the most of your money is to go towards. So a lot of people make that mistake of, of putting all the money towards production and stuff. So I made sure not, not to do that. Not the majority. You know, I knew the majority needs to go towards post-production and print and advertising marketing. You know, I have a distributor uh, for VOD and aftermarkets uh, releasing it theatrically through my company. So a lot of these, you know, all that marketing needs to go through my company for all that stuff. So... Yeah, that's a huge, huge thing that I made sure of. Why? Now, with the cast part, was it was it difficult to just find the cast, or were you able to connect with other friends and family to say, "Hey, look, I'm doing this film. I need I need you to help me in this." Yeah, I um. So I have uh, so two, two of the actors in the movie are friends of mine. I um, one's uh, Matt Webb, who's a uh, plays a character Gage, and I've known him since middle school, and uh, we've been good friends. And he's a uh, he's been acting for years. And I brought him on board um, when I was auditioning people. We did auditions and stuff, and uh, I called him up. That, you know, asked if he was interested. And he said yeah, and he came on board and he did a great job. And then one of my producing partners on the film, David Trevino, is in the movie played a really small role for like two scenes and did a good job. Um, you know, so I, I put him in the role, 
uh, have a producing with me, and then uh, other actors for the most part, or I, I auditioned or or were brought in from referral. Uh, Matt Webb helped bring in some a uh, couple of actors through referral, but uh, auditioning is what you know the majority of them came from. We auditioned them and, and decide who we like most. And then there's some actors actually who uh, there's two two of the actors where I've worked with before in short films and and they. Um, They've always done a good job for me, and I brought them in for this feature. So a little mixture of everything, but auditions were the majority, I would say, because, you know, we did audition calls and, and brought people in and casted them based on that. So uh, it was challenging, you know. It's uh, trying to find the right the right match for the film and the character and the personality and the, who's the talent as, as an actor. You know, you want to make it a good movie, now to make it look like a B movie, you know. So... Right. Now, oh, now, Keith, yes, I'm glad you brought that up. For the ones who don't understand, can you explain a little bit about the B movie from an A movie? Um, yeah, you mean explain the difference? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, well, no, yeah, so what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of independent movies have that uh, – that, uh, Stigma of all the independent movie of the studio is going to be a, a B movie, as in that it's not going to be as you know good picture quality. Uh, it's not going to be professionally shot. It's not going to have good acting. That good. It's not going to have good sound really, or or not so much that. It's more of the acting. People when they see a movie, B movie, it's more of the acting where they they imagine their head as you know it's, it means B movie is more like the meaning in the industry is like a the quality of the acting is bad or the picture quality of of the you know what the DP cinematographer is filming is is just bad camera work. It doesn't look good. The shots are. I made sure that's it's not, well, it's not my style. I always make them try to make the most professional film. Um, but there are independent movies, uh, independent of the studio, where professional. A lot of a lot of them are you know professional movies. Uh, Nicholas Winding Refn does in a lot of his movies. I mean he's always been a professional filmmaker. Uh, they look great. They're a movies. So I want to make sure I had a great film and not make it look right. horrible acting stuff. So I hired great actors. I, my cinematographer was part of an Oscar winning film in 2010. Um, or Weber, I made sure I brought on a good talent with him and stuff and great acting. So I wanted to make it look like a studio movie, like a good you know, acting and everything. So, um, so that's kind of the difference between a and a B movie. Right, and I'm glad you're saying all this because a lot of people don't understand that it takes work and a lot of investment when you're going to do something for yourself because I know I wanted to end up setting up my television show and I had an actor, a guest on who was who is an actor and now he has his own television production, but he was giving me the list of everything. When you get ready to set this up, this is what you have to have. Then you got to think about your crew unless you're going to do it from your own computer and stuff, but you still got to be mindful of how you're going to throw out your content. So all that has to be played in mind. Even when, even when you're doing a movie, it still has to be played in for, okay, my content. What about location? Who I'm going to get to act? How much I have to pay them? All that has to be tied in. People don't be thinking that. They think, oh, I'm just going to set up a movie. Yeah, you can set up a movie, but what's the next step? You got to have all your plan, plans in order. Um, Now, more so, Keith, when you did your when you did the film, did you do more on on location or you did off location? Um, on location, I mean, um, everything was pretty much on location. I shot it at a few locations. It's it's more of a theater setting type of movie. Uh, you know, I love it. It takes place at this cobbler shop. 
uh, old like 1800 style shoe store with multiple rooms, and then um, the other places mansion um, takes place at, and then you know there's some exterior stuff we did uh, in LA driving, and, and then exterior shots of LA and some exterior shot or exterior scenes in this parking lot. So yeah, it was all on location, you know, for the most part. I didn't really do any like any any shooting in the studio. So. Right. I, I got you. Yes. And I heard a lot of people say it's better sometimes. Well, it's good to do it on location, but when you're off location, so much that you have to encounter the noise, especially when you're dealing with yeah. street people, you're like, okay. Now, when you write, do you listen to music? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I just, uh, I don't. I, uh, yeah, I just, I just write, make in my apartment uh, where it's quiet and stuff. So, um yeah, yeah, I really don't most of the time. Okay. Okay, a little different from me then because I know when I write, I have to get up, I got to walk around a little bit or whatever and just like listen yeah. to music and, and walk around, hear the song in my head. But <laughs> what? Yeah. Um. Now, when it came, we know not only do we have to focus on the content, the film, the shooting, location, all that good stuff, but we also have to focus on the sound and pitching. So what part did you play in that as well, with sound, pitch? Um, what do you mean, they're like production or like post-production or an overall? Um, yes, sir. Po- po- overall, in mind, when, yeah, when the yeah. script was being um, rolled out and everything. Um. You know what's um that's an interesting question because it, the thing about being a, uh, a filmmaker and a director and a writer is for me, I mean my job is to well it's really more of the producing side and, and line producer but you know their jobs especially this my job for this film that I produced it is uh, with other people is it's hiring people professionals what are professional sound people what can you know take care of that so I don't have to worry about it uh, and they take care of all the sound and stuff for me and. You know, that's, that's their expertise. It's not mine. So I made sure that I hired, you know, a good sound guy for, on, for production, a good uh, on-set mixer who can mix sound and, and uh, boom and stuff and, uh, you know, hire somebody good. And he knew what he was doing. So, like, I would explain some of the scenes to him. And especially on set, he would he know where how to set up and where he needed to stand and, and um, how he needed to move with the actors when they were walking around stuff with the boom and stuff. Uh, during the scenes, and then for post-production, I have, you know, my music composer helped me. He did all the sounds, so in uh, post-production, for recording, mixing, and everything. He's one of the best in the business, if not the best, in my opinion. So, I mean, this guy was, he, he was able to do everything. So he was, he cleaned up all the sound and put the music and put in some cool effects and sound design. And, uh, you know, for the most part, I let him do what he needed to do. I didn't really, like, micromanage him or any of the sound guys. They knew exactly what they needed to do. So, I mean, you know, there's some things in post-production where I was, I said, hey, take out these two effects, and they don't really match the scene. That's that's about it. Everything else I supposed to do what they had to do for sound. Right. I just, I mean, I took film class, too. You know, it was kind of, I had to learn every single angle and all that, the high and the low. But, yeah, do I... I love the way that you played with the close-ups. That was that was very awesome. It kind of like got it gets the audience into each character in the movie. Like I, I can see your emotions. I can feel what's going to probably happen next, even if I don't know what's going to happen next. 
But this is what I want to ask Keith because in an interview with Quentin Tarantino, you know, he was um, he was asked on about script and saying he talked about the problem with scripts now is, you know, people who have no business at all are writing scripts and they're not writing what they have inside that they want out. They're writing what they think a movie should be, you know, basically they're writing something that they think people want to buy instead of what people want to actually see. Right, or yeah. what you want to see. And I think that's what you did with this one. This is something that you want to see, not something that somebody right. can go buy, because I could buy anything. I could buy a pair of shoes and don't even like them the next day. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's ultimately, you know, I tell people, uh, what it really comes down to is, is, is do you like the, I mean, me personally, the writer, like, do you like the script? Do you like the, the film? Because, like, this film, you know, right. The, the film industry is so subjective, uh, filmmaking and, and acting. Everything, everything in this industry is so subjective. Like people can say, "Oh, this is great," or they can say it sucks. And there's so many people who are going to voice different opinions. They can, like some people say it's great, some people say it sucks. You know, it's just there's so many different opinions. When it all, what it all comes really down to is you're going to spend so much time with it yourself. Um, I mean, I've spent a year and a half in this thing. Come uh, April 14th when it releases, so it's like you spend so much time with it. It's like. Uh, you know, what it, what it comes down to is, is, do you like the script? Do you like the film? That's really what matters the most because you're spending so much time with it. You know, I mean, I know you're, as a filmmaker and a director and stuff like that, and you know, you're trying to sell it, obviously, and make money off it. But uh, you know, ultimately what drives is the passion and then the obsession of loving the project and, and, and loving what you're doing is really what drives it the most. Um, so you, you have to write based on uh, on those things, on, on the passion, what you love the most. and what you really want to do and tell and then and, and write about uh not so much what not not so much what everyone always wants to hear or see you know because you have to like it the most is the most important thing about what you're creating that's important i would have to say i i totally agree with that i think that you're shackling yourself when you basically you're screwing yourself over if you feel like that cuz anybody can throw anything out there and we i know you and all of us have probably seen those type of movies, but like, oh, that was so, excuse me for saying, so shitty. Like, did you just take out your time to do this movie? Why did you waste production and studio time to do this? Like, mm-hmm. um, and I just feel like when you when you write, you don't write to tell you. You got to write to direct it. You got to have that vision. Not only did you act in it, but you had that vision. Hey, this is how I see it, and this is what I want. So I think that's totally it's going to make kudos for you on this movie. Have there been any other viewers of this movie? Um, and, and we said any other viewers you said. Mm-hmm. Have anybody else seen um, anybody else seen the trailers and gave you feedback on it yet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people have seen the trailers. Obviously, those are out to the public. Um. Uh, what a lot of people haven't seen is actual film, obviously. I mean, critics have seen it, reviews have seen it, obviously, and it's been rated pretty good so far. Um, but as far as uh, there's really, there's not been a lot of people, especially for my team, there's been like one person who's really seen the uh, first the entire movie, and it's my uh, my, my close friend, uh, Matt Webb, who plays the character Cage, uh, and I'm collaborating with him on another project called The Refuge After This One. He's seen. He's seen a lot of the movie. His feedback's been really good about the film, but he's in the film as well, too. So, 
you know, I, it's good to have outside opinions. But he's seen. He says he's been in the industry for a while. And he would he wouldn't lie to me. He's a, a professional professional film. Everything's great about it. So he's seen it. And obviously, some reviewers and critics have reviewed it. Uh, yeah, you know, they've seen it. And then uh, then the trailers are out. Like I said, but come April 11th at the, the premiere at the Egyptian Theater, that's where it's going to be seen by like 600 people. And then April 14th the theatrical release. So I'll really see what everyone's feedback is. It'll be pretty interesting to see, uh, especially after the premiere, you know, what everyone really feels about the film. So how do you turn off the director and you, yourself, who's watching your own characters, including yourself, go in that direction? It's like, that's an interesting direction, um, or I can't film that, or I don't want you to go that way throughout this movie, like, what does that take on you? Because at the same time, you're doing both. You got to direct and you have to act at the same time. So what is all that going through your mind? Yeah, you know, it's tough. Um, you're so attached to the material and the content and the film. It's uh, it's really hard to separate yourself from, from the work in general. I'm always criticizing myself on what I can do better. And I'm always looking at it like I should have done this better. I could have, you know, the acting, I could have, yeah, this is, I should have acted a lot better and stuff. But you're juggling so many hats at once. It's kind of like, it's hard to be good at everything at once because uh, you're doing so many things. Um, I'm always criticizing right. myself, and I would know I could do better a lot of stuff. Um, but, uh, I mean, as far as the directing, I mean, I got – with my, my cinematographer went over the shot list and what I wanted. He knew what I wanted. And uh, on set, we were able to get all the shots I wanted. And, and then in, in post-production during editing, I was, you know, supervising the whole editing process and stuff, and I knew what I wanted for that, and I – you know, I helped assist with editing and stuff. So for the most part, you see the film, all the shots you see in there is what I wanted. It's pretty much what we, obviously what we filmed and what I wanted uh, as far as a shot list standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then uh, with actors, I didn't really think direct a lot of them as much because we did some rehearsals and they knew exactly what I wanted. So, you know, that was good. But, uh, yeah, there's always room for improvement, you know, when I watch it. I'm so close to the material. I see it. I watch the movie like every single day almost like looking at things so you know it's, it's very close right now throughout throughout the writing process where were you picturing how it was going to look or listen to how it's going to sound was that image absolutely. already in your mind as writing okay oh absolutely yeah absolutely yeah when i was writing you know um i knew what i wanted and that uh you know, after I wrote it before filming, I knew, like, going into the filming uh, uh, principal photography when we were shooting it, um, how I wanted uh, to block each scene, and you know, it was all in my head. So, uh, yeah, you know, for the most part, it was. Right, because I can imagine, like, you're writing, but at the same time, like, the director right now is not here. At the same time, you are there, but you're not there because. Now I got to visualize it as being in the movie. So I really find that really cool to star in it and write it. Like that's that's really yeah. a mad clever skill set and very talented in both ways. I find it and it works like literature. I mean, it could be bad literature, but it works just like literature. It's, it's just not a blueprint of what's supposed to happen. But I do. Right. I, I love. Yeah. I love it yeah. all. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, like you I said, you're so welcome. It's a trademark. I like. I want. Ben Affleck does it. I mean, a lot of some of the directors, Quentin Tarantino. There's, you know, there's some directors who do it um, in, in their films. So, you know, that's something I want to do. 
Right. You know what? When I think about it, when you said director and writer, I think about it like you're fighting two sides. You're fighting two sides of the story, like the director part of you kind of annoys the writer part, like, wait a minute, this is not the way I want it. But, yeah, this is the way I want to direct it. Like, I'm on two sides of the fences right now. I'm not – and um, now go a little bit more deeper because I guess um, I want to ask this. How did you know when when something was working right for this film? Are you Were you able to maybe, like, compartmentalize scene-by-scene character – or character, or or do you do it incrementally? Um. Yeah, I mean, I knew uh, based on each scene, you know, uh, especially after we did each uh, the rehearsals and stuff, what was working, what wasn't working, based on what the actor presented, and uh, what I wrote. I could, you know, say, okay, this is what I want. Right, this is working. This is not working. Um, and then when we shot, obviously, you know, like I said, I knew what I wanted for the most part. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I knew exactly what was working, what wasn't, um, especially after rehearsals and doing some of the scenes and then shooting, you know. You know it, 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 interesting about this film is we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't do, we rehearsal, we did, you know, rehearsal before shooting, but we didn't do tons and tons of rehearsals because of the fact that we did so many rehearsals before actually shooting, you know, a month and a half prior so we were really, you know, a lot of actors, everyone was really well prepared um, in time filming. So that that was very beneficial. It saved me time on set and money because we had to do tons and tons of rehearsals. They knew what I wanted and we all knew what we wanted in general, like how, how to, you know, how to do these scenes. So it was really beneficial. Right. I got you. Now, at first, when you, when you first start writing out, just just in general, not even with this film, so that you hear, or is it a genre that's calling to you when you start doing even your short film? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I got all my scripts I write are all from the crime, uh, thriller or like crime action uh, genre. That's that's the genre I love the most. Uh, so, definitely. Yeah, that, that's what I always I write all my stuff on that pretty much, you know. Uh I've always loved you know, those types of films, Point Break, Untouchables, Reservoir Dog, Heat, you know, Inception, Drive, there's so many good ones. Um I've just always wanted to make you know, movies based on that, that genre. So that's what I write about. Wow. Escape from LA is a good movie, so Escape from New York, those types of those movies of the action and the crime element to it. It's interesting, and people love those movies. So, yeah, that's what I write about. Right. Probably imagine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, I mean, these are, like, some great movies, and I, I really appreciate you for even sharing. I mean, it's a fascinating this – is, this is a fascinating movie. It's a, it's a great story, great dialogue when you look at the trail. I mean, it just – it captured me the moment that I even seen, I was like, wow, I can, I can go for it. I really can. As soon as I had seen it, I thought about Heat, even though it's different from Heat. We know how Heat played mm-hmm. out. But it just it right. captured me on that moment. Then when I, when I went into reading um, your part about you had influence from Heat, I'm like, wow, that's totally cool because that's the first thing I thought about yeah. was Heat. So if, you, if yeah. you're really into movies, like, really, because I love, I love a good movie, um, I do, and so I automatically I think that you did well 
with this one? Are we now? Are we doing any other productions at the moment? Since we know this one is coming out in spring next month. Yeah, well, I'm, um, well, I'm not actually filming anything right now, but I'm, um, I'm gonna be. I'm, so I'm finishing writing a script called The Refuge. I want to do next. And I have a couple of scripts. Mm-hmm. This one's more, this one's more budget friendly. It's not like a massive, massive budget where it'd be like tons and tons of millions of dollars to do. Where I knew I, I this next one I know I can raise the money for. And I'm writing it right now, and it's been in my head for a while that I've always wanted to write for about over a year now. And uh, yeah, I'm writing that now, and I hope to. Uh, I'm, I want to say I'm not in pre-production with it now because I'm still writing, it, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm talking with my production team now and. Um, we do want to move into, into pre-production in uh, the summer. We just, you know, some, some of the basic stuff with the location scouting, casting and stuff. Start looking at those people, you know, for casting, and uh, that's what I want to do next. However, <clears throat> there's a bigger budget one called West Side Second Street. That, I mean, heck, if this one does well and there's investors and people I can get on board for that, and they want to do that, then we'll all by all means we'll do that. That script's locked and ready to go. So, and it's probably my best script actually. Um, I would love to do that one next. So. Yeah, I have a couple of projects in the works. Uh, but I'm, you know, so much attention and time has been focused on this feature uh, with, you know, raising your marketing and uh, with the, the release coming up. That's what a lot of my attention has been towards. But you know, we're, we're we're talking about the next projects already. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, we definitely – I'm definitely going to be waiting around when that happens. Um, I guess before we actually leave, I want to ask this. When you look at something, Keith, do you remember the things you did right? Are you more self-critical? And, and I guess in other words, do you learn from your own, not just mistakes, but your own path? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's certain things that stick out the most. Uh, you know, when you, this is interesting because when you do something wrong um, and you know you messed up on something, that always, when you go back to doing something like that again, that always comes up in your head of, hey, I did that wrong last time. Let's make sure I do it right. Uh, and you always make sure that you do it right the second time. Don't make the same mistakes. Um, that's important that you learn from your past mistakes, especially in filmmaking, because it's, you know, there's so much, when it comes to shooting, uh, principal photography and production when you're filming, there's so much time is, is of the value and it's, uh, there's so much money with getting, you know, spent every single day on, on the production. Uh, you have to be on top of your game and have to be right and be on top of everything, especially as far as a producing standpoint. Uh, you have to be on top of your game, make sure that everything's going right uh, and not make mistakes uh, or minimize mistakes because you want to go over budget and, and have to, you know, do more days of filming because of mistakes you've done or you didn't get the certain amount of shots or you didn't do this or you didn't do this right. It's like, yeah, there's so much that goes into that people don't understand you have to really make sure that you get all your stuff done and that, uh, you know, you don't make those big mistakes to where you're filming extra days. That's always the back of your head, you know, what you learn from experience really is what it comes down to. Right. Now, in your mind, have do you think you have written the movie that you actually want to make? Is this, is this a movie that you have vision. I know that you said that this is something, this is what you always felt you love this genre. Is this something that you want to make or, or does it change down the road? Like, okay, I could have done something a little different with it. Um, You know, it's, it's a good question because no, not really, not at all. Actually, I wrote this film 
Um, you know, it was shot exactly how I wrote it. I, uh, I made it, like I said, I didn't make a mass. I, I wrote it in the sense that it wasn't like a massive, massive budget of millions and millions of dollars. So I knew I'd be able to raise the money and do it. Theater setting type film with minimal locations, a lot of stuff, suspense going on, different rooms and stuff. Um, so I wrote it in a sense to where I knew I'd be able to raise money and do it. So when you see the film, it, it's pretty much exactly how I wrote it as far as all the scenes and stuff. You know, nothing really, not, not a lot really changed from the script to screen. I mean, there was some stuff changing, like me, uh, me and the actress tweaked some of the dialogue, made it flow better. But like for the most part, the scenes were freaking, you know, pretty much the same. Everything was the same. Uh, so the, as far as my vision and stuff, and when I wrote down on paper, it's exactly how, how exactly how I wrote it, exactly how we filmed it for the most part. Um, so it's exactly, basically, basically exactly what I wanted. Um, so I was very fortunate. It's exactly what I wanted. And I wasn't cut off from like budget constraints where I was like some movies or another, like you know, they had to, they're shooting stuff and they have to start cutting out scenes and stuff in the script or change stuff around because of locations or because of like, they don't have the money to go to these certain locations and, and put that in the movies so that the chase stuff around. I, for me, that, that wasn't a problem because of the way I wrote it. So everything you see is exactly how I wrote it. So I was very fortunate and I was, you know, I think I planned it out smart. So yeah, it was it was great. You know, I truly believe sometimes, and I know I said this from my last question, but it gets so interesting for me. I I sometimes think genres they don't get a fair chance out here. Certain genres, horror, comedy, it is always someone who's so critical, and I, I see you clearly love it, especially with this genre that you chosen. And, and I'm right. curious when you're thinking about genre. What do you love about genre the most, and and why do you find such an affinity towards it? How does it really affect your writing? Um, you know, there's uh, there's certain aspect of the, especially the crime thriller drama, or, you know, crime thriller drama and all in action that, that I love the most. It's uh, I don't know, I've always did that that, that gangster flicks and stuff. It's the characters what really drive. I think the film, um, the personalities would make the film really cool. If you think about it, if you watch those crime thriller movies a lot, like Goodfellas, Casino, uh, Reservoir Dogs, Untouchables, it's not really the action what's driving the film because those movies aren't really full of, you know, they have action, but it's not like an action movie, really. It's a crime thriller, suspense movie. Um, but really what drives the film is the characters and then the persona that they bring on board to the film uh would make the film, you know, that, that badass type of film, that badass factor. It's like, wow, these characters are so cool. You know, it's really, uh, you know, how they talk and their swagger, uh, persona film. So cool. Um, that a lot of people like it. Like, wow, this is a badass movie. Um, so that's when I'm writing, you know, that's something that I, that what really drives my writing. And I'm like, this is great. This is what I want to do and write about. So these types of characters and these people and stuff. So, you know, that's always, what I consider when I'm writing. Right. And and instead of being all over the place, because once you're all over the place, if you don't really walk down to a certain genre, then you you all over the place like a novel going on and on, and people are like, okay, what part are you getting? <laughs> like, what part are you getting to? <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. How much of... Um, how much of your screenwriting genesis is a what-if question? In other words, you're watching a ton of movies, you're thinking about stories, you're thinking about genres. What if this happened within a genre or 
I like that movie, but what if it went in this direction? Is that part of your creative process? Um, I mean, well, um, what do you mean exactly? Like, can you rephrase your question as far as like, uh, um, like, um, I guess when you're, uh, well, I guess when you're sitting down and, and writing your script down, you're thinking about the job, like you said, um, like maybe you popped up with a question, like what if this happened within the genre? Like if something else happened, maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe horror, or if you had a little comedy or, or I like that movie, but what if it went in this direction instead of doing that genre, but now I'm going to this part. Is that is that kind of like a part of your creative process, or you just kind of know, hey, this is the genre I'm going to do. I'm going to write it just like this. It's not going to be a different direction from what I'm thinking right now. Yeah, you know, it's um when I'm writing, uh, I mean, for the most part, I know what direction I want and what I want to happen. Uh, you know, there's some writers who are like, well, I already know the end of the movie, or I already know these parts before, you know, this happens. For me, it's not, for the most part, that's not really the case. You know, sometimes I do, but uh, I kind of know the direction I want and how I, how I want the film to play out when I'm writing. And, you know, as the writing goes on, more things develop and more ideas develop. So, um, you know, for the most part, that's, that's kind of, I know what I want when I'm writing it. Right, because I know some people take different directions. Like, wait a minute, you just had two different genres in this movie, so I'm kind of curious on what part did you did you want, and that's why I kind of wanted to ask. Like, okay, was this bogged down to just this one, or was you thinking of going to a different direction? But Keith, I really appreciate you for being on here. This has been awesome, and when are we expecting? Let's give the final date to when we're expecting this the Mason Bros to come out. I even love the title. Oh, before you even do that, Keith, I want to this. Where did the title come from, The Mason Brothers? I love it. I thought it was so catchy. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's uh, I thought of that. I uh, Like I said, the movie's really about this core group of brothers and, and uh, the death of one of the brothers and them seeking revenge on the deaths of, you know, of, of their brother who was killed during this bank heist. And uh, so I, I named it based on, you know, The Mason Brothers. Uh, it's about that, that, that group of brothers. I just came up with that. I don't know. I... Um, I thought it'd be a good title. It's funny, one of my uh, my my first script I wrote, my first script I wrote, the main character's name, uh, lead lead that, the main character's name, the lead guy is uh, named Mason. So I kind of took that uh, that name off of that first script, and I uh, I was like, well, the you know, the Mason brothers, that'd be good. Uh, you know, Mason would be a good last name, and uh, for this first feature, that's why I hey, the Mason brothers. You know, it's about this core group of brothers. And, Took that name from my first script I wrote, and yeah, the rest is history. So I just came out with it. It was I thought it was good, and it's kind of a, a cool kind of uh, it kind of almost sounds like a when you hear it, it's kind of like it sounds like almost like a like the Goodfellas, you know, like a um, a lot of people when they hear that, hopefully they're catching the idea of like a group of like gangsters or or old timer like uh, you know, mafia type guys. But these they're not really mafia, but still, you know, that, that criminal aspect to it, you know. Right. Well, and actually, I, I guess I would love to ask this. What is the best thing that's been told to you as a writer that helped you, and what's the worst thing that's been told to you as a writer? Um, 
you know, like I said, it's, it's very subjective, this whole industry. Uh, there's been people, like, there's people who have read the script and stuff, and then, like, you know, it's okay. Like, I think it's okay. But then when they see the movie, obviously, you know, well, I'm going to see what their reaction is. But, you know, the script, it's hard to take a script and say, after you read it, it's hard to say, you know, oh, this isn't going to be a good movie or not. And in the most part, I mean, you can, you can tell me the script. It's like, oh, this is bad material. But, like, you know, you can make, based on cinematography and sound, there's so many things, music, there's so many things you can make a script that's, like, decent and put, turn into a movie and make it an excellent movie because of all the different aspects of going into filmmaking. But as far as me, people criticizing my work and telling me, you know, this is what I like, this is what I do better. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always people who criticize stuff. I don't really let a lot of people... I mean, the actors, obviously, and my team read my scripts, but um, most part, I don't really just, a lot of people don't really read my material. I don't give it out to people. So uh, I've had feedback within my team, like, hey, this doesn't make sense. Maybe you should, you know, look into changing this so it may flow a little better. But, like, for the most part, a lot of people haven't really read my work. Uh, just the people would, you know, would shot the film. But, yeah, for the most part, you know, uh, there's been people on my team that said it, it doesn't really, you know, look at that. It doesn't really flow right, man. Um, just so you know, um, but yeah, that's what I would say. Well, I appreciate you for your answer, Keith. It, and I know people. I know you used to me doing commercial break, but I just couldn't let Keith go like that. It was just so interesting. I mean, I got really <laughs> in tuned into this because I think this is one of those movies that's going to pop off the charts. I, I really do, and I'm hoping for it because it has so much in it, and I wish it was a way I could have played the trailer for you guys, but hopefully you will be able to get that information. Keith, if anybody really wants to get a, um, a insight into what the movie's going to be about, can we have a website on that? Absolutely. Um, yeah, the best place to go, obviously you can go to the, the MaceBrothersMovie.com and have a synopsis and stuff, but if you really actually, it's funny you mentioned it because I have a uh, – my YouTube channel, if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, KS Pictures LLC, go there, and there's a uh, a YouTube link. It's like a two-minute video that was made, and it's uh, it's something, it's called like the, the Mason Brothers uh, Breakdown of the Story Synopsis, and that's like a two-minute or entire movie and the characters and like how the, what the movie's really about. And people, cause a lot of people don't like reading, and you know, I don't like reading either that much. So like if, if you just want to watch a two-minute clip and you'll see everything about the movie, like what's really about go there. You can watch the synopsis and the breakdown of the movie. Um, that's this place. Or if you really want, you go to the website, com or, or my Facebook, uh, there's a page on Facebook and you can see it. But if you go to the YouTube link, that will, you know, that'll really tell you, like, Hey, is this my type of movie or not? You can watch that. Right. And it's, will it be playing at all theaters or is this going to be certain one? Yeah. Just like theaters from the beginning. Um, it's okay. throughout in Los Angeles. We have a couple theaters here, and then we look at some theaters in Tampa, Florida. We look at some theaters in uh, Utah, uh, the UK. So um, we're trying to expand it to those. But for the most part, it'll be a select theater release. But it, you know, if it does really well in theaters here, especially, then yeah, it will, hopefully, you know, I can we'll expand it to a ton of theaters. Because right now, I'm just I'm releasing it theatrically through my company name. But if it does really well, who knows? Maybe I'll bring on board like a theatrical. Uh, distributor can help out with that and you know we'll see how it turns out but i think people really like this film i really do because of the you know it has a certain aspect to it of of the loss of family member and a brother and that so a lot of people can relate to that so that's something i think people right it it does it 
it, it has too much similarities to the other movies, but it it still has its own standing ground. Like, hey, I might look like the Untouchables. I might remind you of Reservoir Dogs. And also, I was thinking of just reading the little scriptures about how the brothers are trying to revenge for their brother, looking for their brother's killer. I thought about the brothers. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I thought about the brothers yeah. with Tyrese in it and uh, Matt Damon. Not Matt Damon, but uh, I can't think of his name all of a sudden. But, yeah, this movie really stands out. But, Keith, I thank you so much for bringing it to us. I can't wait, and I hope eventually it will get out there so we can see it in Georgia. Yo, heck yeah. But yeah, thank yeah, you. Definitely. Yes. And most definitely, when you have another movie coming out, I would love to have you back on the show. I love to keep updates on my guests and see what else moves, what the next moves you're making. Oh, heck yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's do it again, definitely. Thanks for having me on board the show. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, let me, um, I can, uh, like I said, after the theatrical release, we'll go out to, I have my distributors who are releasing it uh, for, on VOD and TV and, and foreign sales and stuff. And um, definitely, you know, I can get you guys right. a copy, send a DVD your, DVD your way for you guys, especially on me. Oh, well, thank you. And listeners, I appreciate you. If you have any questions, make sure that you send them out. I could probably send them to Keith or whatnot. We can get those out if you're interested and find out more information about the Mason Brothers or if you're interested in just getting into directing itself. Ask away. Don't be shy if you didn't if you didn't have time to ask now. But before we leave, the truth of the day for my friend Mary Ellen is this. Enjoy the age you are now. Every age provides unique experiences and insights. Do not wish your life away. By doing this, you are denying the joys every year of wisdom brings to you. Take pleasure and appreciate every milestone you reach. Discover the sense of freedom you create with each year. Enjoy all of the life memories you have created today. Embrace and love the age you are now. Enjoy the day, everyone. Remember the mantra from Affirmation Nation. Either your mind expands to match your goals or your goals restrain to match your mind. I'll see you next time on the Bright Side with Technicia. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.